Welcome to How College Works. Again. For the last time. Ah, oh, for you guys. <laughs> for us for a while anyway. Okay. Now that we have a report. We're going to pause for a second because okay. we've had this question before. But the question is where are we from? Okay. Where are you from, Peter? It depends on when you ask. Originally, I'm from East Texas. What? <laughs> Wait, where are you from? I was born in Lufkin, Texas. Oh, okay. I've lived in Nacogdoches. I've also lived in Utah and Idaho and Michigan and Ohio and Wisconsin and Montreal and Boston and north of Dallas and in Missouri and Kansas. So Where in Idaho did you live? I lived both in Idaho Falls and Texas. So on other sides of the So why what never mind. I'm from <laughs> Oklahoma, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. There's other questions, but you can answer that later in a okay. second. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Now that you've spent some quality time, especially with Melody, learning about writing in college. Lucky. I've listened to that. It was, it was good. It was more than good. It was super fantastic. I wish I was here. I will tell you that, yeah, you need to write in science. If you're going to be a science major, you will write a ton. You will write lab reports. And if you're like me, you will tend to get lab reports back every time they all like, it's not clear what you mean here. And then your lab report gets marked down. So learning to write, and especially as Melody said, organize your thoughts and being able to say not just here's what it says, but here's why what you measured says what you think it says, that's really important. If you can't do that in science, you cannot be a scientist. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to. You have to publish in science. And if you cannot write clearly to publish in an academic journal, no one's going to care about what you did. And then you might as well have not done it. You could have saved yourself a whole lot of work by not doing it. Sweet. Okay. But now that uh, we're all very comfortable with each other, it's time to talk about student entitlement. We wanted to wait until the end of what we're doing to do this because this is kind of sensitive. It can sound a lot like we are yelling at you for things that you have not done, but things that we have had students do. And like I said at the very beginning on, on Monday, uh, I don't think that's really the way we want to frame this. This isn't about students being bad and doing things just wrong and we need to yell at them. It's about understanding what the differences are between where you're coming from and, and expectations that you have there and ways that you interact with your teachers in high school, which are totally acceptable, which are no longer going to be acceptable in here. And so I've had students come in and they have said, asked things, wanted things, you know, demanded things of me. And they aren't bad people. They aren't entitled students. <laughs> they are good students, but yet they just don't see, didn't know that what they are asking of me is unreasonable to ask of me. And then I get sort of pissy about it, and then I have to sort of walk myself back and be like, okay, let's start again from what is reasonable to ask of me. But not all your professors are going to have that perspective. They're not going to know what is reasonable in high school, and they're not necessarily going to take the time to sort of walk themselves back and help you to understand what is going on below the surface. So that's kind of what we're here for. Do you have any thoughts, Melanie? Um, do you want to tell me what you think entitlement means? Sure. Good question. Entitlement, as Melody and I talk about this, means that a student is expecting something without work. Often it is also something where a student is demanding something without respect. 
to their professors. So this is something that they feel that they are entitled to. An entitlement means I don't have to work for it. An entitlement means I don't have to be polite about it. Is that yeah. some sense? I just wanted to clarify that because like, you know, it's on the slide. It is on the slide. So respect, request, and responsibility. These are, I, I alliterated. What's that? Oh, the three R's. The three, the three R's. R's. Well, we made that up. It's not like it's a thing, but it can oh. be. No, Copyright. we have the three R's um, in some of our schools, too. So that's Is it these three things? Um, I think so. Oh, I knew things I didn't even know I knew. <laughs> so when you're interacting with your professors, these are three things you want to keep in mind. One is that you want to show them respect. Even if you are super pissed at them, this is part of what being an adult and having to deal with different power structures is, is being able to request something to someone that you don't like or someone who you think is being totally unreasonable. And this is not fun. And, not, and how not to blow up on them. Yeah, you, yeah, so part of being respectful both for you as a student and for me as a professor is not just like unloading. You don't like walk in the office and be all like, all right, I'm going to read you the riot act, I'm going to like, I'm going to read you, you know, and tell you all the things you've been doing wrong. That's not respectful. It's neither respectful for me to stand up as a professor and just like dress down my class for something, in, unless the class really needs to hear it. I, I, have, I have dressed down classes before. It was like, okay, listen, there's been a lot of talking going on. We are three weeks into this semester. You will pretend to respect me for the next three weeks because we've got to get through this. And you will not be chatting around while I'm doing stuff. But I have told that to classes. And I'm usually pretty relaxed and chill. And so when that comes out, usually they listen. But that's only when it's like, this is becoming a real problem. I cannot conduct my class. So the respect thing is something to keep in mind. We want to feel respected. You want to feel respected too. So that's an expectation which you can, is reasonable. And if you feel that you're not being respected by a professor, then that's something that is reasonable to address. But certainly when you talk to any of us or any other professor, try to be respectful about that. The second is request. This is a, this is a thing about the different power structures and dynamics within a college or university versus a high school. You can only request things of us, unless it's something where maybe you have like an accommodation which we have to give to you. Then it's usually like we have to do it if you uh, notify us in time. By the way, those timescales are different in college. Like in high school, if you have an, uh, an accommodation, you need a choir, you can take it, that quiz, you need uh, extra time. Those are usually taken care of all on the teacher side of things. Somebody tells them, they take it all, take care of it. When the exam comes up or whatever, you they say, okay, you go over here, you get the extra time, get the quiet room, whatever it is. Here in college, if you have one of those accommodations, which is totally fine, that is not anything to be ashamed of, that's just you know a thing which you should be aware of yourself and not be feel bad that if you take advantage of it, but students in my classes that have accommodations need to notify me a week in advance before the quiz or before the exam, before the thing where they need that accommodation that I need to know ahead of time. You can't actually walk into the class on the day of the quiz and say, my accommodation says I need extra time. I don't have time to set that up at that point. And so I don't actually have to provide that accommodation if you don't get it to me in time. I'm not legally obligated. I'm not legally obligated. If you let me know a week in advance, I am legally ob obligated 
but still the polite thing to do in terms of showing respect is to frame that as a request. Hey, quiz next week, I'd like to take my extra time. Can, can we help to arrange, make, arrange that? And that a week in advance is enough time, and that was a polite request. We can find some way to give you the extra time, uh, some place you know, for you to sit so you're not going to be disturbed, or whatever it happens to be. And there are places on campus like the Student Services Center that where you can just block out a amount of time if you need that. Does that make sense? Any questions so far? I think we're all tired. It, you know, we're at the end. Last is responsibility. Although this is not a parallel list structure, I should have edited this. Okay. <laughs> Next time. Next time, I'm started. like, what are you doing? Okay. Okay. Keep going. So one of the things that I mentioned in the accommodations is that it's your responsibility to notify me. It's also your responsibility to go to the student service coordinator and if you need accommodations to provide the documentation that she needs in order to legally bind us to do that. If you say, I need extra time, she'll say, that's great. I need an actual like doctor's note or something that documents that so legally we are allowed to offer you extra time. The responsibility for these Sorry. responsibility for the services and for notification now falls on you. Where before it was everything happened for, on our side of things, on the instructor side of things. We identified that you had trouble, we identified that you had uh, accommodation needs, we set up the accommodations, we told you about the accommodations when you now all of that is shifting over to you. This is part of a different mandate about accommodations between high school and college. In high school, the mandate is that if you have need accommodations, you provided the accommodations so that you can thrive in that environment. Thrive is the term and that has implications for the kind of help you get and where it comes from. In college, our mandate is that you have the accommodations so that it is an even playing field. That is a different bar. Uh, we, if you have accommodations here, we will make sure that you have what you need so that you can work on your own and you can do it and you're not gonna fall behind because we didn't give you something. But we're not gonna kind of support you as much because once you leave here, all that's over. Once you leave college and you go into the workforce, there's no more mandate there really, not for those types of accommodations. So this is the halfway step before super real life and you gotta do it all on your own. You have to advocate for yourself. There may not be laws in place for some of the stuff that you have to deal with, and so you're the ones who are gonna have to worry, worry about it and figure out how to make it work. And so if we did just an extension of the high school stuff, we would not be setting you up to actually deal with real life. So this is our half step on the way to you being awesome on your own, even if you need uh, accommodations of some sort. So the responsibility falls on you. So the other thing, in terms of just regular stuff is if you fail to turn in a homework assignment and you come in to me and you're like, I'd like an extension on that homework assignment, I need to know that you are taking responsibility for this. If you were to come into my office and say, yeah, I didn't turn in the homework, can I just turn it in tomorrow? Like, what you've just said has not accepted any responsibility for it. I have no, there's no indication in what I just said that there's any contrition. Do you know what contrition is? That's when you feel bad about what you did. Okay. At least pretend. Yeah, put on a show at least. You know, I'm really like, sorry. I'm sorry I didn't need to send some whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Can I turn it in in two days? 
kind of take responsibility, you know, what what is it that you can do to show that your your professors that you are taking responsibility for the work that you are supposed to do? If we feel that you're not taking responsibility for that work, then we are unlikely to offer you any extensions or any helps or any, any of that sort of a thing. Students are all like, can I just turn in later? Like, no, that's not the way the syllabus works. You know? And in fact, my syllabus, I know Melody does not do late work. I have less of a problem with doing the late work, but anytime you turn something late into my classes, you have to talk to me about why it is late, and we'll discuss what appropriate penalties there should be. So if you're going to ask to turn something late in my classes, you have to explain to me, at least at some level, how you are accepting responsibility. Why is it late? You just busy binging Walking Dead? And no, it you can't turn that in late because that is really not a responsible thing to do. But I was taking my roommate to the hospital because she was like throwing up everywhere and she was very sick and I stayed up all night with her at the hospital, okay, yeah, that's pretty legit. I will give you an extension on that. But again, it's about the responsibility. Are you working, showing your professors that you are accepting responsibility for what's going on? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're just gonna be like, I'll take a zero. That often becomes that kind of default. Well, I'll just take a, res a zero, I'm, you know, it's responsibility. On the one hand, kind of, but that's really just a cop out. That's really mostly my students saying, I don't want to feel embarrassed or bad about myself that I didn't do this, and so I'm just going to pretend that the mature thing to do is to take the full zero. The mature thing to do is just get as much as you can for the work that you've done. And usually that means feeling kind of bad and embarrassed about having to admit to someone that you didn't do the work that you're supposed to do and trying to make it as right as possible, and that is a difficult lesson to learn, that's a difficult habit and skill to develop. But that's where you want to be. I'm gonna, yeah, you have. <laughs> I'm gonna say a little about responsibility because like the assignment thing is not a big deal in my class, but students come to me and they're like, I'm just having a really hard time. I'm really depressed, I'm really anxious, which I totally get what it happens. And I think being in a new environment and struggling with like new things makes it even worse. And they're like, I just, I really, I just can't get anything done. And I'm like, well, what are you doing to help yourself? And they're like, well, nothing and I'm like well, have you talked to the counselors on campus no you know I'm like have you called anybody at home no I'm like are you sleeping are you eating I mean like all of these things and it's kind of like well some of this is like well you need to seek out some help yourself too and sometimes the first step is seeking me and I'm going okay here's what you need to do but at the same time if you're like if it's a thing and I'm like three weeks later I still can't get any work done I'm still depressed did you go see a counselor no are you taking your medication? No. Okay, my understanding is done at that point. So you're not taking the steps that you need to take to be responsible for your own well-being and to be successful. Sometimes I can intervene, but sometimes it's just a matter of you doing things for yourself too. So keep that in mind. Yeah. That that comes up a lot more often than. Uh, I had a question for you. What if have you ever had an excuse where someone else was like, um, when they worked on like a project before they got to your homework? Oh, like another project for another class? I was yeah. really busy with Tech Week. You know? Okay. Yeah. That's actually. No, because I've. Oh, that's done. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've done that before because I've done stage check and I had to turn in my essay I, late because yeah. like, I was. I worked stage group. And my question to you, I mean, for my classes, every day of my semester for all of my classes is scheduled. 
every deadline is on there. You know when that essay is due from the moment you get my syllabus. And since my syllabi are online, I, even before the semester starts, I'll send out a link. Be like, here is a, the link to our Moodle page, or whatever it is, so you can get uh, take a look at the syllabus, which has the books. The books already, you know, everywhere you are going to be, you when you in, enroll like the semester before, then you'll get a list of books. So you already have the books and stuff. But you already have my schedule before the semester starts, and that's where the responsibility can happen. It's like, unless you're like, things came out of the blue, you knew that essay was coming. And you Any knew new tech, tech week, week was, was coming. coming, yeah. So you knew at least a month in advance, probably, that these were coming down. And if you don't, th at that point, sit down and plan, okay, I'm going to be swamped on tech week. That means i got to work ahead on the essay. That means i probably got to go talk to Professor Highland about the essay before it actually comes up. That, I mean, like, sure. Like, you come to me ahead of time, like, tech week's coming up. I got, I'm going to be super swamped. I'm going to get ahead of, ahead of the game on the essay. Yeah, we'll work on this. I'll work ahead with you. You know, and probably be fairly flexible. If you come to me on the day that the that the essay is due, and you're like, I had tech week, <laughs> I'll be all like, yes. Sucks to be you. And if I had tech week is as far as it goes, then you're probably not going to get much of an extension. You're probably going to get my sort of standard late policies. Do you want to break these down a little bit? Yeah. Well, we'll start with I'm busy. Yeah, I would have put that as number one because that is like the thing I hate. Okay. I hate it. <laughs> so students like to come in and they're like, I'm just so busy. And I'm like, hmm, what am I doing? Just sitting around, like, you know, in my office chilling out? No. I'm really busy, too. And when students say, I'm busy, it at least communicates to me that they think they are busier than I am. And you're not. There's just no way. I mean, it might feel like it, but you're not. Well, I'm taking four classes. Well, I'm teaching four classes. I mean, well, I have, you know, a family and things at home. I have to pay like a mortgage. I mean, come on. So I don't like hearing I'm busy like ever. I'm busy and I'm like, good for you. And then sometimes it's like a, like a thing with like the anxiety or depression. It's the same stuff. Well, I just can't seem to get my stuff done. What can we cut out of your life? You're probably overscheduled. And that does happen, especially here at like a small place where there's a ton of social activities and clubs and organizations. Students overschedule themselves. And so you have to know your limit so that you don't come to that point where you're like, I literally can't get everything on my list done. There's not enough hours in the day. That means you're overscheduled. Yeah. Um, be careful with as that. As an aside, when you go to college, you're all like, this is awesome. There's all these things to do. And Get involved in your campus A. That's important for not feeling like you're just sitting in your room missing home. Yeah. Because if you're just sitting in your room, you are just missing home, and that makes college really bad. Right? Getting involved with clubs or some things like that, that is important for making friends who have similar interests, for doing things for living life as opposed to simply waiting for something to happen. But say no to about half the things. And once you get into your sophomore year, say no to half of those as well. Because usually what happens is that your first year, you're like, okay, I'm going to go light because I was told to go light. And then your sophomore year, your next year, your second year, you're like, all right, I got this. Yeah. I got this. I'm going to go yeah, overly all confident. And then you overcommit yourself. Yeah. And your second year becomes kind of rough on the back half because you're, you're committed to so many things. Or the front half. That you end up being overcommitted without thinking about it. And then you're like, okay, that was bad. 
that happened to me both like in both of my graduate degrees after the first year I felt really well yeah and then the second year I like almost killed myself because I took on too much and the same thing happened when I joined the faculty here first year I was fine second year I did way too much and I was like <laughs> so um, it's just like think part of it's just human nature and I'm like don't do what I do because it was not cool it was not happy time um, learn from our mistakes yeah please God <laughs> Uh, so it is, and I tell students, so I teach a technical writing class, and they're like, what do I put on my resume? And I'm like, well, you can put the things you're a part of, and they can list sometimes 15 different bullets of things that they do, and I'm like, but what can you say about any of those? Well, I went to a couple of meetings. Well, I sat at a table once in the dining hall and handed out flyers. It's going to be more important for both your resume, your experience, interview stuff, if you can pick two or three things that you do that you actually participate in. Having a list of 15 things that you can say nothing about is not that helpful. So my suggestion, not that I know everything, because I certainly don't, I didn't really participate in college, I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> I just didn't. Pick a few things that you're really interested in. If you do it, you're like, ah, student government, it's not for me, then find something else. But dedicate your time and energy to something that you want to do. And, but it's really hard here because students are involved in everything. And I'm like, you need to ditch about three things. Yeah. Constantly. In terms of what to us seems like the student entitlement is the assumption that because you're busy, your busyness, if you have to say, talking to us, trumps my busyness. Yeah. Or that everything else on that list, I'm busy. I had tech week. I had a physics exam. I had this. I had that. I'm like, oh, so your writing assignment is the very bottom of your list? Yeah. Don't that might be true, but don't tell me that. Yeah. What we don't know won't hurt us in this case. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, why can't you prioritize? Well, this class is just isn't as important. Please don't say that. That, like, one, hurts my feelings, <laughs> and two, makes me want to go, well, guess what? You're not important to me either. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah so it kind of goes both ways, right? One of the things that I would love for you all to sort of internalize is that even though, as professors, we represent a position of authority, we are people as well. So those are two different things. Like, a position of authority, usually, like, you see, you see that person as not really a person, but rather an embodiment of that entire institution. And so often you think of professors as these sort of almost soulless people who do this thing and then like they go from their classroom to their office and they kind of power down and never leave their office. It's all, it is, I think, universally weird for students to see us outside of the classroom. Yeah. They don't know how to interact with us, which is fine. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, you don't um, have to talk to me at Walmart. It's fine. We're, we're people. And so when somebody, you know, Think of something that you really value that you're interested in, you're engaged in, something that you do in your spare time. And assume that you asked me to help out with that, and then I didn't show up. And you're like, I was really psyched about like having you help out with the, the thing, whatever it happens to be that you like to do. And I'm like, well, you know, I had classes to prep, and I, you know, I had to watch a movie, and you know, somebody else invited me I lost to go time. play I took a frisbee or something. And, you know, I was like, what am I saying? I'm saying that the thing which I told you I would do for you is lower than these things which were not promised, I did not promise to do, but like, eh, you're just so far down my list that I don't actually care about fulfilling my commitment to you. And that's basically what happens on our side when you say, this commitment which you have as our student to do the work which we have assigned, that's part of the deal, 
is so far down the list that extracurricular activities, like you know, rehearsals for the play, or I'm in a band, or like the anime club went on a trip this weekend and I just didn't have time to do any homework. Those are not required for your degree. Those are things that you took on in, in addition to going to college. And that falls, that rises above the level of the things which you have committed to do for my class. And that may be true. I'm not going to say that you always have to do all the things. Just don't tell me how low on your priority Just list my pretend. class is. Just pretend. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. It will make our or it will make our interaction much more smooth. Let's just say that. Do not tell me how important my classes are to you. And some of that's going to come back around because uh, for those of you who would transfer out if you were to go here or if you needed a scholarship or whatever, you need recommendation letters. Oftentimes that does fall to people like me. I teach two required writing classes. So by the end of your second year, you've had me twice, but you haven't had any other professor twice. And you're like, well, I don't really like writing. It's not really my favorite thing. I only come here because like, I don't want to fail, blah, blah. I'm like, what am I going to write in your letter? They showed up most of the time. They don't like writing, but ask me for a letter. Like, it puts us in a really awkward position. You know, like, they are adequate. They, I mean, they, they I will write you a letter, but it might not be as positive as you think. I mean, it's like they express disdain for my field. Like, I, that, like it doesn't give me a lot of glowing remarks. If, if you come up to my class and give me the stink eye all day long in my class, and they come like, I'm applying to MIT. I know you work there. Would you write me a letter? It's like, spent two semesters like making me trying to seemingly like trying to make me feel like I'm the most like worthless person on the planet and that what I'm saying is like the like the, this is the whole thing like I can't really write a strong letter at that point because regardless of how well you did in my class you gave me like the worst attitude and that makes it tough yeah added bad attitudes suck okay moving on <laughs> okay you're doing it wrong? People don't tell me that exactly. Well, they kind of do. Like, we read too much in here. We need to read less. You don't know how much you're supposed to read. Stop telling me. <laughs> so one of the things in terms of you know, the entitlement is assuming that you are owed something which without having to work for it or, or just or this. One thing is like, Assuming that you know more about how this subject works than I do. Or how college works. We just listed how many years on Monday we've been in school. I think we kind of get it. That you're like, this is not what you're supposed to be teaching me. How would you know? It's your first semester. It really gets under my skin. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that you can't say, this isn't working for me. But that's or, fine. I'm having trouble with this. But that's a different statement than, uh, so my first semester teaching. I taught physics, of course. Um, oh, well, here's a question for you. Why do you teach or study physics and astronomy instead of astrophysics? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really know what the differences are, but that's cool. <laughs> um, so the astrophysics that I know is cosmology, which generally requires a fair amount of upper level math. Kind of and so you would need some physics classes and probably some astronomy classes before the astrophysics that I did is something that we could really talk about. So I teach interest astronomy and I teach introductory physics because I think those are much more approachable. You're saying we might need an astronomy major and or like a graduate level degree for those classes? If you had either a physics major or an astronomy major, you might have sort of an elective class of astrophysics. Either one of those would probably get you to the point where you can sort of branch off to the side towards the other one. Okay. But 
It's kind of like saying, why don't I teach a solid state class? Well, because semiconductors are really complicated. <laughs> and we can't really do semiconductors until we've, we've built up the foundations in the first two semesters of physics to understand then how a semiconductor actually works. And then we can do solid state physics. Uh, I don't know the answer to this. <laughs> can you pay people to take your ACT for you, like, like some movies show you? Oh, do you, do you mean, is it possible, or? Should you? I think it's possible, I don't know. It is super not me. I have no idea. Um, part, of, part of the problem with being a nerd is like I'm a rule follower. So I always do my own ACT and SAT. I never bothered to try to figure out. And also most, to be honest, this is not bragging, most of the students in my high school would not have done better on the ACT or SAT than I would have done. Not that I was like super, super awesome, but I was good enough. I would not have done that, you can rule follower. So I would be like, I feel like that's wrong. Like I won't even move traffic cones. Are you just saying this? Like, no, you're no, just no. saying this. Like, you, know. you cannot pay me enough to take the SAT or SAT. Not even. I'm sure. A little bit of real talk for professors here. If someone is a professor at a major research institution, then that tenured professor can be making six figures, $100,000 or more. Not a year. us. Not us, okay? <laughs> any professors at a small liberal arts or any teachers at your school, you're not in it for the money. Money. <laughs> if I wanted to be rolling in cash, if I wanted like a Scrooge McDuck room, I would be in industry, I would not be in education. Like I could make four times as much as I do in industry. Yes. I have a question. Um, have you ever, have you been corrected before and then like you were proven wrong? In terms of like, oh, like the like student knew more than I did about something. Yeah. 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 I usually well, say I'm not sure. Or I'm like, <laughs> well, like just the other. I po I mean, you probably you were listening. I was going through my syllabus, and they're like, D is the D minus and D supposed to be switched? And I'm like, yep, good job, blah blah. <laughs> yeah, so make, like, I have to mistakes. just roll with it because, like Peter said, I'm a person. I make mistakes, and so every now and then I'll get a little cranky. They're like. <laughs> Did you mean Wednesday instead of Thursday? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know perfection was our standard. I'll keep that in mind when I grade your essays. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I allow a lot of mistakes in terms of typos, you know, little boo-boos, those kinds of things. I mean, I think the fact that I swapped the D and the D minus is clearly just a, a simple mistake. It's not. And students, I have some hateful people who are like, I can't believe you're teaching me writing. You can't even write that's right. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, let's back that up and talk about it. But anyway. You should not do that. You sorry. can think it. You can think it. Yeah, don't say that. I'm yes. sorry. Um, so what made you decide to go into education instead of industry? <laughs> I actually decided in high school. So in high school, I decided I wanted to teach, but I didn't want to teach high school. <laughs> I was at the high school and I thought that was a pretty raw deal. I was like, okay, if I'm not going to teach high school, i got to teach college. So that means I have to go get a PhD. Yeah. I mean, I'm as soon as, well, not as soon, I don't know. But so I'm on a student loan forgiveness program. And so after 10 years of teaching, 
you get most of your student loans forgiven, I will be looking for industry jobs after that. Just because I can make up to three times as much, and I'm like, why wouldn't I? I want to retire before I'm 70. <laughs> but I mean, just because I look at him, and I might go do industry for a few years, and a lot of times coming back with that industry, especially as a technical professional writer, back into the classroom is really valuable, so doesn't mean I can't come back. Yes. Um, so what would you do if you went into industry? Me as a technical professional writer? Yes. So most companies do have like writers on staff who work with content um, specialists. Like I have a couple friends who work like in the oil business in Oklahoma. They write materials that the engineers help them figure out. They put together newsletters. They, they help people present at conferences. They do those kinds of things. They're actually writing coaches and a lot because believe it or not, people go to the workplace and they don't have writing skills. And they're like, we need to actually hire a writing specialist to do workshops to mentor and tutor our workers who don't know how to write memos or reports. And so it's that kind of stuff. And because there are profits attached, you get paid a lot more. So those kinds of things. The same stuff, but with adults. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know if they would be as receptive. They probably would, because they're like, just tell me what to do so I can get this done. Because <laughs> well, if they write good reports, they get bonuses and raises and promotions. Yeah. Right. If you write good reports, you get good grades, which is good. But like, it's monetarily important to write well in the business. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you're like a tenth teacher and you like quit and go to the industry, if you come back, are you still like? It depends. You can, you can negotiate yourself back into a, a tenured position, which would be difficult, but. It's possible, we see job ads, so there are those different levels. We had assistant and associate and full professor. Assistant is where you start right out of school. It's before you get tenure most of the time. Most of the time when you get tenure, you go up to associate, but you don't. those things aren't necessarily connected. But I see job ads for associate professors, full professors, admin. So it just depends on your level. So like when our VPAA was hired, she was hired as a vice president because she'd already had those things. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. What do you mean by full professor? That's the level after. So yeah. it's assistant, associate, full. That's the highest you can get. Associate professor means you have tenure, so it becomes difficult to fire me. There's usually another step, which is usually associated with a paid bump. Yeah. Whether and prestige. And prestige. It depends on the culture of the school, whether the step from associate to full is like expected or not. Most places it is. Some places. I've been at, it's, it, it's as much work as going through the tenure process, but it's like an extra $1,000 a year. So most of them are like, mm, no, not really working. I'm doing it, just so you know. Here. I like prestige. Um, if you like, were a tenure teacher and then like you like, quit and went to the industry and then came back, do you have like a better chance of getting a job like, as a teacher? At least in my field, yes, because they value, because if you think about a lot of colleges, they're like, we're trying to prepare students for the workforce. If I've been out in industry recently and I can bring that information back to help prepare those students, because we've been in academia a long time, 15 years. Something like that. So even though like I do come to some side writing jobs and editing gigs, it's not the same as working full time in the industry. So. I'm a little bit removed from some of the expectations and realities of the workforce in some ways. I think it would depend on the program. If they're like, no, 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 we want people with real world experience to come in and teach our students, I would be, that would be a great thing to do. But that's not, like liberal arts colleges, that's not always their bag. Yeah. 
so. Yes. Uh, so what would it take for a tenure teacher to be fired? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a list. Yeah, there is, there is in, our, in the faculty handbook, there is a list of terminable. Terminable, I don't want to, okay. Yeah. Insubordination, which is, so if the administration, my boss at the VPAA, the Vice President of Academic Affairs, says, you know, you need to do this. And I say, no. Right, basically, like, the, it's like, we talk about the, the respect and like the doing the things responsibility that we want our students to show us. If I don't show that to my boss consistently, then you can start to, if I'm like rude to them, if I, if I don't do the things they tell me to do that they can tell me to do, like they can't tell me what to do in my classroom, but there's other things that they can tell me to do. If I don't do those, then like, I can get fired. Like assessment, like we're supposed to assess one class a semester. One class a year. I don't think that's what the new handbook's gonna say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. But anyway, so what they could say, but honestly, it would take a pattern of insubordination yes. and probably some pretty serious, like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> given, yeah, given the I'm number one sign to my, to my boss on a consistent manner. Yeah. Might get me fired. Uh, having, once I have tenure, having low student evaluations is not enough. So having, wait, one, insubordination. Insubordination, uh, chronic low enrollment here. Here, chronic loan rolling is another thing. That, that might go away, too. Oh, that means yeah. Every semester, we only get like four students per class. So that might indicate to them that students don't like you. I, so I think the, re, the underlying reasoning for that that you can put forward is that in the faculty handbook in my contract, I am required to teach a minimum of 12 credit hours a semester. Uh, it's like 12 to 15 or something yeah. like this, is the range which I'm required to teach. If I teach over that on average, then I get paid overload. Okay, I get more money than my contract. If my classes don't make, if no one signs up for my classes and therefore those classes are canceled, that means that I'm not teaching 12 credit hours a semester. And if that goes on in the course of, I think as is written right now, four semesters. Basically, you're just not fulfilling your job duties. Yeah, I'm, I'm not teaching students here, and therefore I'm not doing what a professor is supposed to be doing, then I can get fired. Uh, if I have a major felony. Oh, yeah, like, it's we, bad PR for the college, so if we like get convicted of something while we're an employee here, that's grounds for termination. Yeah, so, so basically, yeah, if I'm doing, like, if I break federal laws, if I get a speeding ticket, no problem. Misdemeanor, meh. But it's like, I'm selling drugs. Bad. Bad. Selling but drugs to students, worse. Bad. Bad. <laughs> like, I'll be out like that, probably. I mean, if it's something where you're like, cops will show up or FBI will show up on campus, on campus that's probably going to get you fired within a day. Yes. Do you get to pick the classes you teach, or do you get assigned the classes? I get to pick, because I am the department of one. And so within my department, I decide what I'm going to offer, and that's what I offer. Um, I do want to be sort of savvy about this. I don't want to, if I'm like, I'm going to offer um, an upper-level physics course. Well, nobody has the prereqs. Nobody here is a physics major. Probably no one's going to sign up for that. That class won't make. It'll be canceled. Now I'm sure. So that's a bad idea for me. Melody is in the English department, yes. which means the English department as a whole has to decide what classes are going to be offered and who's going to teach them. So they have to negotiate with each other. And junior faculty are low people on the totem pole. Yeah. You tend to just get assigned. Well, they're a little more generous. I mean, we pick, so 
usually we all like for the second level writing we all teach two courses of writing one two sections of writing 102 but if there's so, too many students me are the actually there's someone below me now that's right we'll teach three sections and the tenured faculty get pick up times and so they're like well I just want to teach Monday and Wednesday and I'm like well wouldn't we all like to have Fridays off but whatever so I never get Fridays off but like some of my older colleagues do I hope they're not listening to me <laughs> <laughs> she's bitter about that not really you've earned it I can't wait till I get Fridays off so things like that like yeah we get to we get to choose for the most part but like the elective classes that I teach I decide what I'm teaching and when and as long as they don't conflict with other major requirements for the English major or writing minor, I can offer them pretty much whenever I want. But I don't want to offer it like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to offer technical and professional writing at the same time as Shakespeare because I won't be able to pull students from the English major who are taking Shakespeare as a requirement, like Peter was saying. So we do have to kind of be savvy. Why don't we jump in real quick to I'm paying your salary. No, you're not. <laughs> I thought that one was weird. Uh, I've I, heard I it. I know someone who has a student. Maybe it was me, because I told you this story. Well, I, have, I know two people that okay. have a student who says, I'm paying your salary, you need to do this to her. Don't say it. You can think it. Do not say it. Yeah, I like the gasp response. That's a good response. Okay. Um, yes and no. So, all the entire budget of, of our college is called the operating budget. That's what we prefer to it as. And about 50% of the operating budget comes from student tuition. That means that roughly 50% of the money that pays my salary, and I'm salaried, that means I get paid a set amount per year, I'm not hourly, that comes from student tuition. However, I get paid the same whether my classes make or not. My classes get canceled, at least for that portion. I still get paid my contract. I still get paid the same amount. And as we said at the beginning, we and our colleagues in the, in the faculty and the administration view you as students as paying for access to us, not paying for a result. You're paying to have access to me through taking my class. You're paying to have access to an expert in the field of physics and astronomy to help you learn physics and astronomy but it is, falls on you to learn physics and astronomy. It does not fall on me to give you a good grade. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm frustrated every semester when I have students who earn Ds or Fs. And they, they have, you, you have to earn it in my class. Like I'm not gonna, just gonna fail a student out of spite. You have to consistently not do the homework. You have to consistently not show up to labs. You have to consistently just like not care about my class. I feel like about, I mean, every, people we hang out with, I'm sure there's exceptions to the rule, but like you, students have to try if they want to fail. Like you really, you like you have to like not come, not do the work. Like there's more effort in failing sometimes than in just showing up and doing the work. So you would say it's pretty fair to say you give them every opportunity yeah. to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I say. I am super confident in that. Yes. I say it's my job, you know, as students sometimes you end up kind of in a hole. My job as a professor is to give you enough rope to either climb out or hang yourself. That's my job. So if a student straight up said that to you, what would your response be? <laughs> I would laugh at that. Yes. <laughs> that's not the way this works. Yeah, and I'm like, A, don't say that. That's dumb. B, go away from me. <laughs> well, I don't know. It would be in the context. Well, I pay your salary. I'm like, actually, no, you don't. Not really. You really don't. And if you think you do, maybe you should go talk to my boss. Yeah. 
Basically, I mean, I, I've had I, the you're doing it doing it wrong. I, I had a student in anonymous feedback tell me that the professors were expected to you know lecture from the book and, and explain what was in the book. You know, no. I had just come from a year at the teaching and learning lab at MIT, like steeped in best practices, and so that class was taught as best practices. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's just a few questions I think we should just go ahead and answer. Oh, no. uh, I don't think, I, I don't we go to what par parties? College parties. Like you mean oh, student yeah. parties? Do we go to student parties? No. no. Okay. no. I mean, have there been people who have misbehaved and done that? Yeah, and okay. there's... So let's say, you've all seen something where a college graduate student TA or a professor like has an affair with a student on like TV or movies and stuff like that, because that's not okay. Not okay. I was actually gonna ask that. It's, first of all, they're taking advantage of you and it's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. Okay, a college student and a professor are two very different places in their lives and also not like peers, right? So it's not okay. But do not hang out with any college professor that shows up at a student party just to be like, let's party! That's not <laughs> someone that you want to hang out not with. Not a responsible adult. Like, Doesn't like, have their priorities straight. Like the college guys who come back to high school, like don't hang out with them either. Right? Those aren't, they are, that's not so, so no, mostly no. Although you might run into a few. I mean, there are like. I mean, there are like students groups that we are sponsors for, and, this, and the group might throw like a little shindig, but it's not meant to be all like, woo! It's not like, hey, let's make well, it and like, we have a policy. Money. We have a, a very strict policy that we are not to drink with students ever, even if they're of age. And so. You know, like one of my, my, I told you Malika was here. I was like, we were going to go to dinner, but she fell asleep, whatever. But I was like, she's 21, but we can't, even at a restaurant in town, we can't have a margarita. We can't do that. I was like, I can order a virgin daiquiri because I was really hot. And I wanted something cool, but she didn't show up, so it's fine. I mean, also here, there is a rule on our books that college uh, faculty and staff cannot date students. Oh, yeah, we can't date you. Yeah, sorry. Ew. I mean, that would be, first of all, just wrong. But, like, even, like, the the guys who work for Physical Plant, they can't no. date students. We did see something on the Instagram. I think there was a skit last night or something about, like, how yeah. to get the... Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. No. Yeah. No. A, that's embarrassing. B, no, that person would probably get fired. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that poor guy. So don't do that to that guy. He probably needs that job. All right. In what ways do student entitlement ruin the professor-student relationship? Well, it makes me not like you. And that's just the truth. I mean, I can tolerate you, and I will be cordial to you, and I will grade you. But it doesn't mean I want you to sign up for another one of my classes. Basically, the farther you go, the more of a relationship you need to have with us in yeah. order to get to the next step. And so that sours that relationship. So question Oh. I posted a question letter. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Get away from science. Oh yeah, I wanted to put that one. Where did it, where did it go? Where did it go? Ah, thank you. No, well, one, it's usually required. One science and one lab is usually required at the core level. Of almost every college. Almost every college, and some majors require an additional science. So pick your major wisely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will let you take one science with a lab, and then the next science doesn't have to have a lab. You can take environmental science. Yeah. 
business here at the end. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our summer interludes with our high school students that we were talking to. We'll be back in September and we'll have some more interviews with some more people and of course always stuff to talk about with Melody, uh, Drew, and I. If you found this useful, if you like it, <laughs> we'd really appreciate it if you left a positive review on iTunes or whatever app you use for podcasting, podcast listening. Uh, we don't advertise. We have a good time doing this, but we don't get paid. <laughs> we certainly don't have any money to advertise. But we do really want our students to understand what's going on. And really, if it's useful to you, please pass this around. Let people know so it can be useful to them too. Thanks. See you in September.